0: For this service and uh i'll be i'll be doing the devotion tonight as well we had someone who was going to speak and they had to had to cancel so i will i will be bringing forth a devotion here but father we come to you tonight in the precious name of jesus christ we are burdened as a church because we have a loss we know that heaven has a gain, and we know that bud's gained everything he was promised tonight, Father, we pray over that family for comfort and strength for them. We pray over Susan, God. We ask you to touch her mind, Father, Lord. Set her mind back in, Father. Father, we just pray that the Holy Spirit throughout this week, God, would minister to them, this family, a lot of decisions, a lot of turmoil. But, God, we're asking you, Lord, the God that we have faith in, to touch them, Father. We pray for over for all those who are sick and afflicted. I pray over this service tonight, dear God, as we come together in a time of prayer, that as we petition you, God, we do so with a confidence in knowing, though, that you are our God who answers prayers. We put all of our trust and our hope in you this night, and we give you praise for it in Christ's name. Amen. Praise the name of the Lord. Well, tonight, I'm going to, I won't be long, but I'm going to talk to you about intercessory prayer. I'm going to talk to you about the importance of intercessory prayer. If ever there was a time that intercessory prayer was important, is because of the times that we're living in. From You know, guys, from the election to the viruses to Bud and Susan to uh, the debates that happened last night to all the things that happened, the riots, the looting, and all this going on. And people's personal lives are overburdened. There's a lot of people who are just like, I don't know how much more can I take. Well, this is where the church comes in. This is where intercession comes in. I don't know about you. I don't know if you've ever been to that place to where you've prayed all you know to pray. You're fatigued. You're tired. You're emotionally torn. And you just feel like sometimes you're praying and your prayers are just hitting the ceilings and they're not going nowhere. That's when the body of Christ is supposed to intercede for one another. That's where we're supposed to pray you one for another that we've been instructed to do. And tonight we're going to talk about this for a minute, I'm going to share an example of the power of intercessory prayer, the difference that it can make and the difference that it does make and the difference it has been making. Even tonight with what we have here tonight, I can encourage you and I can also promise you that we pray tonight and we intercede for those that need to be interceded for, we can help make a difference in their lives. We've got to lift one another up in our tough times. Some of us have been through tough times, and God brought you through them. Some of you are in tough times, and you're wondering if God's going to bring you through it. And so when we're, we never know what different seasons in our life, what season you're in. And if you're in a good season, you ought to be blessed the Lord you ought to be prayed, giving him praise. And I'm in a good season. And I am thankful, God, that now I can pray for those who prayed for me when I was in my bad season. And this is how this thing works. And this is what the church is so important and vital. Sometimes we, what's the importance of the church? The importance of the church is that we're a family. And we care for one another. And we love one another. And we intercede for one another. You know, the Bible talks about we're supposed to go tell. If I've got problems or burdens, I should go to my brother Mike and say, Mike, this is where I'm at. Would you pray with me? So we can pray a prayer of agreement. When two or three are gathered together, God is in our midst, but he also answers those prayers. And we're supposed to join together and pray for one another. And, you know, and it's not just always if they they were your best friend. Of course we know we want to pray for them. But, I mean, even if you're a part of this church And anybody's up here ever calls out a name of somebody in this church, we as a church body and being faithful Christians ought to pray for that individual. If we we can keep it up here and remember it, that's great. If you can't, maybe we ought to write it down and take it home. And not just say, you know, I'll I'll pray one time. But we continue to pray for them. Because there's nothing better than to be praying for someone that you know is going through some of the toughest times of their life. And even to the point they're so... Beaten down and stuff that just their faith is so weak. But you pray for them and then they pass through that thing and you see them walk back through them doors stronger than they've ever been. Overcome what they went through. And it's because we pray and we intercede for them. To who? Jesus Christ is our intercessor. He sits at the right hand of the Father and makes intercession for all of us. But our role As a body, a great big role of a body, prayer prayer is the most powerful weapon that we have. And we exercise our faith greatly by praying. Sometimes we feel like it's the hardest thing to do. But it's not about how eloquent you pray. It's not about really how long you pray. It's not about that. It's about you having fellowship with Jesus Christ and speaking to the one who can make a difference. Now, we can talk to each other, and we need to talk to each other because we need each other to comfort one another. But I'm going to tell you the one who can really make the difference. That's Jesus Christ. But you can be the difference maker because you go and speak to Jesus on their behalf. And I'm going to show you through an example tonight. It's in the book of Acts, chapter 12. I'm going to use this example to show you just what happens when you put a church together praying, just the difference that a church can pray. You know, and when you talk about a church... When you say something's a church, is that, does that mean it has to be 10, 20, 50, 1,000? No, it's, we're a church. Regardless of the size of the group of people to, of a church, they can still be just as effective. Because why? We can all come boldly before the throne room of grace and make our petitions known. Isn't it wonderful if we don't hunger, have to go to a priest And say, next time you go in and make atonement, would you please make an atonement for me? Isn't it wonderful we don't have to go kill a lamb and put it on the sacrifice and make a sacrifice for it? Now we can do it ourselves. Because the veil was torn in two, giving us direct access to God. And we all have it. But man, but when we got a brother or a sister that's down, when someone's got a sick child, when, when they're going through everything and one thing after another, and I'll, I'll be the first, I've been there. I don't know if any of y'all ever been there. I may be just talking about myself tonight, but I'm going to tell you there's times you get into places you just don't know. You know you're to pray, and you try everything you got to pray, but you just don't feel like you're getting anywhere because why? Something happened again tomorrow, and then something happened the next day. When's this ever going to end? But when you have a friend that sticketh closest than a brother, and it's Jesus Christ, when you have and he's your friend, he calls you friend. Do you know that Jesus calls you friend? So when you have a friend that sticks closer than a brother, we can petition Jesus, and Jesus has promised by his word that he hears our prayers. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. Okay, Acts chapter 12. Uh, at this time, the disciples were Turning Jerusalem upside down with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Isn't that wonderful to hear? I love to hear that. I'd love to say, Popper Bluff, the disciples in Popper Bluff, Missouri, are turning Popper Bluff upside down with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And there's no reason we shouldn't be able to. The disciples did it, but we can do what they did. Jesus has told us that. So they're turning Jerusalem upside down with the gospel. At this particular time, King Herod is reigning, and King Herod was a very ruthless king. So, I want to read this passage to you first. It's a little bit long, but let's let's let the Word speak tonight. Acts chapter 12, beginning with verse 1, it says, It was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. He had James the brother of John put to death with the sword. When he saw that this met the approval of the Jews, you see that he's putting him to death and it meets the approval of the Jews. He proceeded to seize Peter. Also, this happened. This is what's important during the festival of unleavened bread. After arresting him, he put him in prison Suddenly I love when God does suddenlies. do you I'll just love when God just suddenly shows up Hallelujah Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared and a light shone in the cell He struck Peter on the side and woke him up quick get up he said and the chains fell off of Peter's wrist Then the angel said to him put on your clothes and your sandals and Peter did so Wrap your cloak around you and follow me, the angel told him. Peter followed him out of the prison. But he had no idea that what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision, and I would have too. They passed the first and the second guards, and they come to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened to them by itself. Miraculous things were happening. Why? Because God suddenly showed up. And they went through it. When they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel leaves him. Then Peter came to himself and said, Now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen. In other words, God had canceled the enemy's assignment. When this had dawned on him, He went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered, got to get this, and many people were gathered and were praying. Peter knocked at the outer entrance, and a servant named Rhoda came to answer the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed. That she ran back without opening it and exclaimed, Peter is at the door. You're out of your mind, they told her. When she kept insisting that it was so, they said, it must be his angel. But Peter kept on knocking. Sometimes you have to keep on knocking. Sometimes you have to be persistent in your prayers. But he keeps on knocking And when he opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. Peter motioned with his hand for them to be quiet and described how the Lord had brought him out of prison. Tell James and the other brothers and the sisters about this, he said. And then he left for another place. Now, by this story and this account, I want to talk to you about the power of intercessory prayer we just seen intercessory prayer and the power of it through this story. I want to talk to you about the power that the church has when it prays. I want to talk to you about the power of prayer meetings then and even today. This is just not a formality or a ritual or just a great ideal that we had that we would attend Each and every Wednesday night now for some four years we've been doing this. We sacrifice our time and we make a serious effort to be here to pray corporately as a body of believers who truly believe in prayer. If you're here tonight, there is no doubt that you're here and you believe in the power of prayer. Your faith in prayer is what brought you here tonight. This isn't just your Wednesday night routine. You're here, you're ordained by God. I believe the steps of a righteous man and woman are ordered of the Lord. You're here by faith, and you have come this night because you believe in the power of prayer. Because it's no secret anymore that on Wednesday nights we're going to pray. Been doing it for over four years, it's no secret no more. There's no agenda change. We've been doing this because this is how much we believe in it, and this is how much we believe that it's been working and that it's, it's causing things to happen in the lives of people. Now, sometimes we look around and we say, well, where's all the other people? Well, I'll tell you, for some of them, I could tell you a lot of them are going through some of the toughest trials and times of their life. I'm going to tell you, some of them are homesick and afflicted. I'm going to tell some of you, some of them are bound. But you know what? That's why we're here because we're to intercede for those people so that someday, hopefully, they're going to be sitting in here with us too, and they're going to be interceding for other people then once they get through their trials and through their afflictions. Amen? Hallelujah. As a result of our passion and obedience to be here and to petition God and to intercede on behalf of others, things are beginning to change. Here was King Herod who is fearful of what the gospel is doing to the kingdom. And I'm going to tell you right now, in the society we're living in, there is a society that's fearful of what the body of Christ is doing for the kingdom. They don't like us too much anymore. They really wish we would just go away. And they know, most of all, what they really wish we would do is quit praying. They done, did it to the kids in school. They took prayer out of the schools. They knew that it was important. I'm telling you, so there's something important about children praying. There's some of the most prayer warriors I've ever seen. There's some of the most serious people that I ever seen as a little child. The faith of a little child is powerful. I've had kids pray for me, and that's some of the most powerful, sincere prayer I've ever received. Children know how. So you know what? We had prayer, and we had it in school, but they wanted to take it out. But you know what they'd like to do now? They'd like to take it out of the church. But there's one thing that's so wonderful about prayer, I don't care where you put me, I can still pray. Because God's everywhere. He's omnipresent. I can pray in the bathroom. I can pray in a locker room. I can pray anywhere that I find myself, I can still pray. They can take a lot of things away from me, but they can't take Jesus out of my heart. They can't take my relationship with Jesus Christ away from me. The only way that ever happens is I have to surrender that relationship. I have to walk away from that relationship. God gives every one of us a permissive will. We can either serve God or we don't have to serve God. He wants those that choose to serve him to serve him. He wishes everybody would serve him, but he gave you a permissive will that when you turn and you say, I'm going to serve you, Lord, you are making a commitment to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ in return has a relationship with you and provides you everything that he has. You become joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Everything that he has access, you have access to. If we think of that ever, that's a pretty amazing thing. Pretty amazing. You know, I, I, I don't have a rich daddy. I'm not, I'm not knocking anybody's got a rich daddy. But if you, if you had a rich daddy and you just go to your daddy for anything you needed, wouldn't that be pretty fun? But that's for the fun things. But I'm telling you, for the things that matter and things that are serious and things that count, we have a father that we can go to who, who, will, who will open up heaven if he has to, whatever he has to do to make sure he comes through for you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, he, he feels two of the ringleaders, Kara does, are James and Peter. He singles them out. He picks them out. The enemy still does that the enemy sees you, if you're doing something for the Lord, he, your target's on your back, he sees you, he picks you out. If you're leading something, if you're, in, if you're leading a Sunday school, if you're if whatever you're doing, if you're driving the bus or if you're the one causing uh, us to go down in the projects and pick up all those wonderful kids and bring them here him and teach them about Jesus, if he sees you do that, he's going to pick you out. He's going to say, that's the one that's causing all the trouble. That's the one that's spreading the gospel. That's the one that won't shut up. That's the one that believes he's making a difference. And he'll target you and pick you. Well, that's what Herod did. He said, I think it's James and Peter causing all this trouble. Because word got around. If you're doing something for the Lord, and if you're serving God with all your heart, you ain't got to go around and tell nobody. People are going to talk about you. They're going to say that man right there is a godly man. Hallelujah. So he finds and he kills James with a sword. Man. And in doing so, he finds it was pleasing to the Jews. So he seized Peter too. In other words, he thought, I got them. I got these boys. I'm going to put an end to this, and everybody's pleased with it. For the sake of popularity against his peers, he chose Peter as well. But the timing of his plot to kill Peter restrained him from his efforts. And that happened so many times in the kingdom of God. The enemy plans and he plots against us, but sometimes his timing's just wrong. Why? Because God does suddenlies. He don't know what to do. He gets so many times of getting you to the point that you think you're going under, think he's got you down, think you think you ain't going to make it. But then all of a sudden, God just suddenly begins to change things. You come back alive. You get your strength back. You get back up. You keep preaching the gospel. Why? Because suddenly God showed up. And pulled you up and rescued you hallelujah uh, it was during the time for the days of unleavened bread which is made which what caused the problem with the plot because it leads up to passover it would not be a proper time to persecute anyone you know there was the religious bunch there was the religious lawmakers, and they had their rules and their traditions and stuff. It wouldn't be a good time to kill this man. And this was a seven-day event. So he decides for the moment to put Peter into prison, was his choice. He has him heavily guarded. He didn't just throw him in there carelessly, heavily guarded. This is how much he thought of Peter's power of the gospel. How important he was. He heavily guarded him. He didn't just go put him, put him in the cell over there. We'll get him next week. It wasn't that way. No, he put a special detail. He made it even harder, harder for him to escape. This man ain't gonna get away. This man is important. He's not gonna get away. King Sarah's plans to bring him out right after the Passover had passed. And then he was going to kill him. Well, they had a problem. There was a church in that town. And the church becomes aware of Peter's conditions. The church hears that Peter's being held in prison. And by knowing his conditions and the love the church had for Peter, in that day, it was enough To call a prayer meeting. And the Bible says that the church began to pray constantly for him, day and night. I'm sure they prayed for other things as well. But there are those times that you know someone specifically and they begin to intercede for him. They begin to intercede for this man of God who at this hour is in trouble. I mean, it had already been proven they could kill him because they hadn't killed James. Now it's going to be Peter's turn. Could they have just said, well, they got James. I guess they got Peter too. No, 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 no. Not this church. This church believed in the power of prayer. This church felt it was a responsibility to intercede for a man of God who was finding himself in trouble. And that's the kind of heart that we have to have as a church when we have men and women and our children of God and we, need, and we know they're in trouble, we should pray for them. Hallelujah. Day and night, constantly. Keep them on our minds till they get through what they're going through. Praise the Lord. Yeah. They've gathered together as one body because of one of their members was in need of intercession. You know, we talked in many of these four years, we've, we've given some, so many perspectives of prayer, you know, there's praying, you should pray for things you need and you should pray for, for stuff going on in your life. That's, you know, there's, there's prayer. There's so many ways we've talked about what prayer, but this is the perspective of intercession prayer and the importance of it. They needed God to intervene. We as a Bible believers upon hearing of someone's conditions ought to be driven by compassion to pray and intercede for those who need God's help in our midst. Whether it's in their personal condition, whether it's in their loved one's conditions, whether it's in their spiritual conditions, whether it's about the condition of our nation that we all live in, or whether it's about their physical conditions, the church needs to pray, needs to intercede on their behalf. Because, I love how that scripture starts out, because, Whatsoever we ask in prayer, believing, they shall receive. So here's Peter, a disciple in prison, bound by chains. His life was in a terrible condition. Upon the church becoming aware of his conditions, they prayed for him constantly. That shows the importance of prayer and a prayer meeting. That shows the importance of what we're doing. They're just as important today as they were in Peter's day. And I thank God that hasn't changed. Prayer then, prayer now. Just as powerful now as it was then. Because we still seem to serve the same God who's never changed. Hallelujah. What we do every Wednesday night is important for us, but not only us, for others as well. It's about what the Bible talks about, preferring your brother. Putting your stuff aside, maybe. Maybe you've had a pretty good day. But always remember there's somebody not having a good day. It's not always about your needs, sometimes it's about others' needs as well. Intercessory prayer shows a person's love for a fellow human. And prayer is always the answer for things beyond our control. Prayer gets you involved. And return gets God involved in our matters. We have not, the Bible says, because we ask not. And too often we find ourselves or others in critical conditions and we don't even pray. Or too often it's our last resort when we pray. We'll never find ourselves capable of doing nothing as long as, long as we pray. Because if God be for us, who can be against us? Jesus instructed us to pray ye one for another. I pray for you. You pray for me. And it builds a wealth of faith, a wall of resistance against our enemies. Our prayers cause for the release of warring angels to be dispatched from the heavens by God. To war against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness and spiritual wickedness in high places. Prayer sends a request to God for him to show himself strong on our behalf, which is his desire. Upon God, going boldly, boldly before the throne of grace, making our petitions known through prayer, and the Bible says through supplication. Jesus intercedes on our behalf to the Father, who responds to our faith we have in our prayers, because he is a God who hears and answers our prayers. Jesus truly understands intercessory prayer. He's an intercessor, and he's the example of the power of intercession. He sits at the right hand of the Father, as I said. He does what? He makes intercession. He intercedes to our Heavenly Father for our sons, for our daughters, for our spouses, for our neighbors, for those who are in spiritual prisons. Those who have been arrested, snared by the enemy, bound by sin. Those have been bound by addictions. Those that have been harmed by afflictions are being held captive by their conditions. Jesus said he has come to set the captives free. When the church learned of Peter's condition and began to intercede for him, did the Bible not say that God dispatched angels to release him from his captivity? From the very thing that held him captive. I'm sure Peter prayed as well, but how many know? Sometimes the conditions you find yourself in sometimes can hinder your strength to pray. Have you ever been so bound you felt you didn't have the strength to even pray? And that's when you need the saints of God to intercede for you, to agree with you in prayer. We have we have many now; they need your prayers. Have you ever been fatigued to the point that prayer is just so heavy? Prayed, it just felt like your prayers weren't going where you you even say I'm prayed out. Well, that's where the role of the church comes into play. The church is not this building. The church is the people in this building. And as a church, as a body, if any member of the body is affected, the body should come together and intercede for the member. While Peter was in captivity, the church was praying and interceding, and as a result, according to the passage that I read, Peter was set free. So if you ever you wonder why we recommend spending so much time praying every Wednesday night now for over four years, this is why we pray. not just because it's formal or routine, but because it's powerful. And it's effective to protecting, healing, and delivering this body from the enemy's plots and plans. We're praying, as we're praying, just like God did then, we are canceling the enemy's assignments through prayer. We're seeing people healed, delivered, set free, saved, and sanctified by God's response to the prayers of intercession that we are praying in this church on a weekly basis. We come in here together, united in prayer. And so tonight, as we gather and we pray, we must intercede on behalf of those we know that are in conditions and situations, those that we know that need God to intervene in their lives, perhaps putting our needs aside this, this hour, this night, we must pray without ceasing. We must believe in the power of prayer, and we must believe that nothing is impossible with God for them. So that people can be released from their prisons and return back to the church like Peter did. Tonight, I want the body to intercede for people you know who are in the worst conditions of their lives. For people who you kn- that you know who need their conditions to change. For people who you know that need to be released from spiritual prisons. For the bound. For the afflicted. For the addicted. For the cast down. Tonight, let's be that church that prayed for Peter, let's pray for our people like they did for Peter. I'm gonna ask you, would you stand for just a moment?